Hi, welcome back to Courtney Watches Movies, the podcast in which I, the titular Courtney, review, analyze, and most likely overthink movies and the filmmakers who brought them to life. Thank you for being here today. I hope you're having an amazing day. Okay, you can probably already tell from the title, but I recently saw for the first time Avatar. Yes, that Avatar. Believe it or not, I had never seen it before in my life. I have reasons for that, which I'll get into later. But suffice it to say, it was an interesting experience. I was invited to see it in its recent um, 3D release, re-release. And so I thought, well, why not? So it's a 2009, a sort of an epic science fiction film written, produced, directed, all that jazz by James Cameron, which we will, we'll get to my feelings about him too later. But you probably already know the story. I feel like everybody has seen it but me. So it's a, it's a story that follows humans that are colonizing this very beautiful lush planet, Pandora, in an attempt to mine this substance called unobtainium. And it follows Jake Sully. He's an injured Marine And he takes his scientist identical twin brother's spot on a mission to Pandora. Where he will be driving, quote unquote, an avatar linked to his brain and body chemistry. He'll be posing as a member of the Na'vi, which is like the local indigenous people to the planet. This film stars Sam Worthington, Zoe Saldana, Sigourney Weaver, Giovanni Ribisi, Stephen Lang, Michelle Rodriguez, Joel David Moore, all sorts of people. It's got an interesting cast. I will give it that. Really interesting. And I was reading about the the upcoming sequel, and it has an even crazier cast, which is really cool. But uh, anyway, the 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 movie follows this marine who is kind of ostensibly working for Sigourney Weaver's scientist character. She's actually genuinely curious in the biology, the flora and the fauna of Pandora. And he's kind of supposed to be working for her. He's also working for the nefarious colonel, played by Stephen Lang, who is cares more about the mineral unobtainium but it's sort of a situation where it's a yours, you scratch my back, I scratch yours, because Sigourney Weaver just wants to study the planet, but she really needs a ton of money to do that. And so the colonel and the kind of corporation behind the unobtainium mining f- fund her research, you know, it's kind of a can't it's symbiotic can't really she can't really do it without them and they are the the corporation and the the military is attempting to they're they claim they're attempting to reason with the local people about moving because their very special sacred home tree sits on the largest unobtainium deposit so jake goes in to try to convince them to move to leave their special home tree and yeah I have a feeling most people know the basics of the story and honestly 
even without ever seeing it before last night, I felt like I knew the story. It's pretty, it's pretty simple. It, so I guess I'll start with the good, right? I always want to start off positive. The good part about it is it's pretty. It's very, very lovely. A lot of the plant life on the planet is bioluminescent, which is really cool in just visually. I Like I said, I did see it in 3D, which I was concerned about because like the 3D shows at theme parks always give me headaches. Just like into those glasses for too long. And I thought, oh, geez, Louise, how am I going to watch a three hour movie with 3D glasses on? But it ended up okay. It wasn't, it was, it was, it just enhanced it. You know, it wasn't hard to watch. So the bioluminescence is really pretty. The, you definitely enjoy watching the world. But for me personally, I had seen enough of that pretty quickly. I, I was probably losing interest in the visuals of it by probably an hour, an hour, an hour and a half in. So, and, and like I said, it's three, it's three hours and I'm not against three hour movies. I will watch a long movie, but the story has got to have me enthralled. Do you know what I'm saying? That part is kind of a a necessity. So I like that. I liked how it looked. But, again, it's CGI, so it's like, oh, look what computers can do. And that, not that that's not impressive. But for me personally, and this is all my opinions, right, my taste is always run toward what can we do practically, and that's what I'm really impressed by. What can we do in terms of practical effects? I enjoy hand-drawn animation significantly more than digital animation, etc. So, while it is lovely... It is also CGI. Uh, in terms of the, the messaging of it, I was a little bit disappointed, and I'll tell you why. I feel that it is very obvious, it's very Hollywood to go for the environmentalist message, and there's so much of the movie is dedicated to shots of how much the American corporation and the military are destroying this planet, destroying its resources. They reference several times that, because this takes place in, place in the future, they reference several, several times that Earth is pretty much destroyed. It's completely, all the green is gone. So it's pretty heavy handed in that way. There's lots of shots of the forest being destroyed, their sacred places being destroyed. And it is, while it is sad, and by the way, I'm not, I'm not saying that rampant destruction of forests is acceptable or not something to be sad about. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that's a safe message for Hollywood. It's very, very safe. And so... I would not agree that it was in any way groundbreaking in what it was saying. I'm sure Mr. Cameron got multiple pats on the back from everybody in Hollywood who thinks exactly like he does. And it's just not daring or subversive 
in that manner. That sort of save the planet, save the trees. Oh my gosh, look what humans are doing. That's not a new message. And honestly, what I would have found more interesting, I thought about this since I left the movie, is the con- is exploring the concept of the danger of blindly following orders. Because I think there's something more there with that. So a lot of the movie is also very, very anti-war, anti-military propaganda, which again, I reserve the right for anybody to criticize any part of the government or anything. I feel strongly about that. You can do whatever you want. You can say whatever you want. My problem lies with this. It's always, okay, and I could, you could tell me if I'm missing a big epic blockbuster and I'm not remembering, but why is every questioning the government movie, why is it questioning the military or the police and nothing else? Would they ever make a giant epic blockbuster movie, for instance, questioning the education system, the public education system, or the Federal Reserve, or anything else besides the military or police? Not even firefighters, honestly. They're always portrayed as heroes. And again, I'm not saying they're not. I'm just saying, if you're going to start the discussion of the danger of the government is this, this, and this, why not mix it up a little bit? I feel like I've seen the same anti-military movie dozens of times. So on that part, I don't know. I just was left a little bit cold and I, I have my own opinions, but I am open to discussion. I'm open to, I'm open to anything being questioned. I believe in our first amendment rights and I still was just left a little bit cold because I, I, what the hell does that song go? I think I've seen this film before. That's, that's how I felt. And even though I hadn't literally seen Avatar before, I felt like I had seen the message before. So that part, that element of it is a huge element of it. And I was just not, I was not a fan. It's made extremely clear that a big corporation and the military are the villains. They are the bad guys. They're the ones that don't care about these native indigenous populations. And I, it's played out. I don't know. It's, it's played out. And the other problem is this, this is what I feel I cannot not bring up. James Cameron, director, writer, producer, I think he even possibly edited the film. So a little bit of an auteur action going on right there, right? But Mr. James Cameron, it just seems odd for him to make this kumbaya, everything is connected, all nature breathes together, the Navi speak to the trees, they speak to the roots, they speak to the animals. It seems so odd to see that coming from a gentleman who's doesn't have the greatest reputation for treating human beings very well. I just don't, 
am I wrong in thinking that's kind of funny? Like, not funny, haha, but funny, just, oh, people are crazy. Just James Cameron of all people going, it's all love. It's all love. We're all connected. It's the circle of life, baby. Meanwhile, this is the same fellow that's like, you're just going to have to act with that broken arm. I don't know what to tell you. So that always comes across as really incongruous to me. Like, I'm like, "Mm, okay, all right. I don't feel 100% great supporting him for that reason. I, it's a struggle, right? It is a struggle because there are a lot, I kind of touched on this in the Don't Worry Darling episode, but there are a lot of directors that have reputations of treating people poorly, treating people poorly on their sets. And I'm still trying to figure out where the line is. Where's the line for when is the art still worth it? And you can talk about guys like Stanley Kubrick, who you could argue tortured their actors. I mean, what he did to Shelley Duvall on The Shining is just ridiculous. Or Alfred Hitchcock behaved really poorly. You know, later this week, I'm going to be seeing Amsterdam Amsterdam from David O. Russell. And that's another guy that has done ridiculous stuff to his actors. So I'm still in my own mind and in my own life, I'm still trying to figure out where's the line here. When is the art not worth it anymore? And so this is something that I'm battling with. And if you have any thoughts on it, reach. Like, I'd love to talk about it because I really am curious. Like, when do you separate the creation from the creator? And the other problem with that is, if I'm being honest with myself, possibly I wouldn't be as ready to dismiss James Cameron in the event I enjoyed his art more because I really don't honestly so if I if I'm being honest with myself like does this stem from the fact that does my disdain for him stem from the fact that I don't really like his art anyway and with people like Kubrick I overlook his bad behaviors because I like what he does you know what I'm saying it's just an interesting it's an interesting thing to work through in your own mind but One thing that I do understand is the arc of the main character, Jake Sully. So, as I said, he's injured. He is a, he is paralyzed from the waist down. And, oh, I will say they do a really good job of making his legs look very thin compared to the rest of his body. Like, he hasn't been able to work them out from quite some time and part of the deal is you know you go on this mission you give up however many years of your life you go on this mission you get the navi to move from their home tree we'll get you new legs we'll get your spinal surgery and so in that sense you understand his dilemma you understand his what is driving him even though as he gets to know, get gets to know the Navi better, he is more and more conflicted because he's realizing he doesn't really want to disrupt their way of life. 
but he really wants to not be paralyzed anymore. And then what's amazing is when he's in his avatar body, he can, he can run, he can jump, he can feel, he can, you know, squish mud between his toes. He's just so happy to be running and free. And that part is very touching. It, you, you're very happy for him that in, even if it's not in his physical body, he has found freedom. His mind has found freedom, which is arguably the most important part, right? So with that, that element of it, I, I was moved by that. I was moved by that. And I think the, the connection that the Navi have with each other, with the planet, with the creatures, I do think it's cool. It's cool to watch. I just, if I had to make an absolute statement, I feel that I was less interested in it than I was interested in it. You know what I mean? If we split it down the middle, it's going more toward disinterest. And I do think it is too long. It's too long. They, they use up a lot of time to say repetitive things. And it's like, all right, we're doing this again. We're doing this again. We're doing this again. So it's too, it is too long. I, the other thing I thought of was, why did this movie do so well at the box office? I was trying to look at it through those eyes. What was it about it that spoke to people so profoundly that it's so financially successful? I believe it is technically the highest grossing film of all time in terms of raw actual dollars. Now, adjusted for inflation, that's still to this day Gone with the Wind, which is amazing in and of itself. But obviously when Gone with the Wind came out, I don't even know how, how much movie tickets cost, probably like 10 cents or something. I don't know. So adjusted for inflation, it's still Gone with the Wind. But as of today, it is the literal highest grossing film. More than any Star Wars, more than any Marvel. And what I find fascinating about that is I very rarely meet people that describe themselves as big Avatar fans. And again, your mileage may vary. I could be totally off base with this. But I meet people constantly that go, oh man, I, I'm in line. I'm first in line to see every Star Wars. I'm first in line to see Avengers, et cetera. People who, who they describe themselves as fans or even people like me. And this is a little bit more, <laughs> this is a smaller crew, but I make a point to see whodunits, right? So I meet people all the time that are, are very, very dedicated to the fandom that they're dedicated to. And I've never met anyone that's a massive Avatar fan. I... I, am I totally off base? I, I find it so hard to believe that this is the most financially, this is the highest grossing movie. And so all last night I was trying to think, why is it? 
in, in interest and I was and I mean that sincerely I'm trying to be fair to the movie what is it that people are seeing that is causing this reaction and I think ultimately what it boils down to is that it was new it's it's in terms of visuals like I said the visuals are great although the first half of the movie is much better for that for my taste just with the flora and the fauna and getting to know the creatures. But I honestly think it just, it was a right place at the right time scenario. It can't, like I said, it came out in 2009. And I think that it must have just really grasped audiences by the collars and gone, look at what we can do. Look at this. Look at this motion capture work. Look at these actors and their, their their facial f- features and all their different all their different looks that they make and expressions and their micro expressions being turned into these crazy blue humanoid characters and and again that is cool i nobody nobody honest could go oh the visuals are awful that's not true of course they're great and I think the success of this movie indicates that that is enough, right? Ultimately, that is enough. You don't need a really complex, layered, interesting story. You don't need particularly compelling characters, which again, I was... I was moved when Jake Sully could walk in his avatar body and he was so happy. But otherwise, what is memorable about the characters? It's a situation where you're going, am I taking crazy pills? Why do people like this as much as they do? And I have reached the conclusion, it must just be how beautiful it is to look at. And you know something? This is like going to be so out of nowhere but I have a point I promise I love flowers I'm a big gardener and flowers often they don't necessarily serve as much of a purpose as say a vegetable or a fruit or a legume plant tree bush etc but I believe it was Ralph Waldo Emerson who said I always think about this because he wrote this amazing poem about a flower. It's called Overdora. And he says, I'm paraphrasing, so don't don't shoot me if I'm a couple of words off. But he says, if the sages ask thee why this charm is wasted on the earth and sky, then tell them, dear, that if eyes be made for seeing, then beauty is its own excuse for being. So that's fancy 19th century talk for some things are beautiful because they are beautiful and we like to look at them and I this is the conclusion I've reached about this movie I think a lot of people in this world need beauty and part of our human experience is we like it we like beautiful things so sue us you know so even though this movie is not necessarily for me, it, this 
I think the message is a little lazy and overdone. I don't, I'm not going to be thinking about the characters in the days to come. I can accept its place in cinema and pop culture history as just a beautiful, a visually beautiful piece. Isn't that generous of me? <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. But that that is the conclusion that I've reached because I was genuinely racking my brain. Why in the world do people love this so much? And it made me curious. I, I haven't been to Disney World since they opened their World of Pandora uh, land in Animal Kingdom in Orlando, but I would like to see it now. I want to see how they pull off the bioluminescence. So that's my ultimate conclusion. It's popular because it's beautiful. And sometimes that's enough. I'm surprised to say this, but I'm glad I saw it because now I feel like I'm involved in a cultural moment that until last night I was not involved in. And I, I do appreciate things that give me connections to others, to other people. Now, that being said, this is unrelated, but it's somewhat related because I just have to, I have to say this. In my showing last night, somebody brought a whole baby. They brought a baby. Now, I love babies. I am a baby person times a thousand. I love them. I'm glad when people in my life have them and I have a new baby in my life, all that stuff. That being said, that is not the place for them. This baby cried or fussed on and off for those three hours. And I respect that being a new parent is hard. A parent to a new child is hard. I get it. I know that it's hard and you have to make sacrifices. Like maybe not going out to see Avatar in 3D if you don't have anyone to watch your baby. But what I was thinking was, I was annoyed for me, right? Because I'm trying to pay attention. There's this baby crying. But then I was also annoyed for the baby. Imagine being new to this planet. And your parents just take you to some crazy dark room filled with a bunch of people you don't know. And then a giant screen with lots of colors comes on and it's loud. And, you know, movie theaters are often cold. And I just, I was like, this isn't good for anybody. This is not good for all of us. It's not good for the child. Like, I don't even know. So that's my PSA. Just come on. I didn't know we were still doing this. I didn't know we were still doing this. I I thought we were past bringing our four-month-olds to the movies, but I guess we're not. Especially such a long movie. I don't even... Not a kid's movie. It's long. I don't know, man. Maybe they thought the colors would be enough to distract the baby or to keep... to hold the child's interest, but I was just blown away. Can't believe we're still doing this. Please don't take your baby to the movies. That's what, thank you for coming to my TED talk. <laughs> no, I like, not a baby hater, not a child hater. I really like them in appropriate settings. So that's all I have to say about that. I, 
am reading The House Across the Lake by Riley Sager. And today's jam, you know what? I haven't listened to music today. I need to come up with a jam. At least I'm being honest, right? Thank you guys for listening. I hope you have a wonderful, wonderful rest of your day. Uh, this week, I know I will be at least seeing Amsterdam. That'll be the new one. So I will get back to you later this week. I hope you have a marvelous day. Don't forget to like and subscribe and rate. And I will see you at the movies. Bye.